Four Pete in 2022. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Chad Adams will be filling in tomorrow, and then uh, a parade of substitute hosts the following week. I'll return in 2023, taking some unused vacation days that have accrued in my vacation bank. Um, so this hour, we're going to get into uh, some of the best movies, your your uh, favorite Christmas movies. Uh, for people who are looking for good Christmas movies to watch, because there are a lot of them, not a lot of good ones. There are a lot of movies. There's just a lot of, like, they they keep making all these movies. I think it's basically the same story, except different people, as far as I can tell. Every single year, it seems like it's the same Christmas movie. Uh, I admit I am probably not the target demo for that. But uh, throughout the show today, people have been sending me their, uh, their top two, three-ish favorite Christmas movies. And we're going to run through them. I also have lists. I've got some lists here of my own. I've got two, actually. Um, Not love, actually. Two, actually. The highest grossing Christmas movies of all time. And the top 25 Christmas films and shows of all time. And Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Okay. So with that out of the way, let me just do some cleanup for the first two hours here because we were talking about the border. We were talking about the uh, Title 42 as it relates to that, talking about the omnibus bill, talking about Mike Lee's attempt to try and uh, uh, keep Title 42 uh, and hold hostage the omnibus bill. And I just got a message here. Where did it go? Mm, There it is from John. Pete, I just got a text from Senator Tillis saying they forced the vote on Title 42 and lost by one vote. There you go. So chaos at the border shall commence until, or shall continue until morale improves. Um, and then John says, uh, I always assumed Trump's tax returns would be more complicated than the average person could understand, especially Congress critters. But if we are going to look at someone's money, I'd rather them explain to me how Joe Biden became a multimillionaire when he's never had a job outside of the Senate making less than 200000 a year. Yeah, all of them. I want to see all of them. All the business dealings, all the income sources, I want all of it. Might as well, right? Might as well. On the text code, Garrett says, the real pandemic is that of malignant stupidity. Of the populace, (laughs) there's not enough American voters who even understand what reform the tax code even means, much less vote for the correct people who could make it happen. Uh, Let me see. Okay, should I even open this? Oh, I should only trust it. I can't. Sorry. If you're texting me from that phone, I can't. I'm not going to open it. It says I cannot trust. Although that looks like a phone. That looks like a legit phone number. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, let me see here. Just checking to see if there's any other not. I have a, oh, here's one from John. Uh, John says, Pete, I am pretty sure, uh, that the Ukraine is a good example of wars that start over borders. That's right. Wars over borders. Ukraine's a good example. Do find that interesting. I do find that to be relevant. I also have always been intrigued on the illegal immigration debate. I've always been intrigued by the argument that ties in the the fate of indigenous people in North America. 
to lack of border security. Right? They like essentially the argument is that well, you know, the colonizers came here, and so what right do they have, uh, or their descendants have, to tell anybody about securing the borders from anybody coming across? And like, well, that's sort of that. That is sort of the point, though, is it not? Right? Had indigenous people had border security, the colonizers never would have been able to get in. They'd have had to, like, I don't know, gone up to, well, I was going to say Canada, but I think there are people there, too. They would have had to have gone, I guess, gone home. They had to have turned around, right? That's what happens when you don't, right, you get colonized. The land gets taken and then controlled. No? What am I missing here? Have you ever played, ever played? Any kind of city-building video game. They're pretty much all the same like that. You move into an area, you claim some territory, and now it's yours. And then some people don't like that, so you fight them, and if you survive, then you get to keep the land. And that's basically the world has worked, um, well, since, like, the first two groups of people met each other someplace. I'm like, hey, who are you? I don't know, who are you? It's our area. No, it's our area. And then they warred. Like, that's how that happened. It's been that way forever. What did Rush used to say? The world is governed by the aggressive use of force. They're using our own policies and our own kindness and sympathies against us. And by they, I don't mean the, the, the migrants. I mean the NGOs and the, the, the nonprofits that are behind these these waves and the cartels, right? All of these people that are making money off of these operations, and they are making money, by the way, not just the cartels, that's the obvious one, right? They're they're making money with the drugs and the human trafficking and all of that and the sex uh, slavery, uh, the slave trade. More, more slaves now than there were at the height of the transatlantic slave trade. You would think people that are very, very interested in slavery in America in, you know, like up until the 1860s, you would think they would be very, very interested in, interested in modern slavery occurring right now. Like, you could actually free people right now. That would feel good, right? I think so. So anyway, um, the, uh, the argument about indigenous people not blocking colonizers, I think, is actually a, it's a, it's a, it's a parable, right? It, it's prophetic. It's, it's history repeating itself. And you've got these organizations that are funding these operations and making money, and they are. It's not the cartels only. It's also organizations like Open Society and Catholic Charities, right? They, they fundraise off of this. They get government grants off of this. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are the true believers and all that that are, you know, doing the grunt work. But it's a, there's a lot of money flowing. To keep the chaos going, and the chaos will continue. There's, it's going to get worse. Actually, going to get worse. Pete, according to Neil Bortz, yeah, there's a name from the past, right? Um, you know, he still does some stuff. I think down in Atlanta, I think he does like a one-minute daily update thing because, because uh, like he after remember his producer Royal die just suddenly young guy died of like a, a heart attack and it really shook him up and uh 
soon after that, he just quit. He and uh, she who must be obeyed, his wife, right? They they got an RV and they just they just travel the country. Yeah. Um, and then he would record some stuff from the road. And so now I guess he does that kind of regularly. Uh, according to Neil Boards, had to be, I don't know who that is. Somebody had, I think you left out a name. According to Neil Bortz, had to be the only honest politician. His net worth was less than his salary. I don't know. I, yeah. Oh, and then he says, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Exactly. It is. Speaking of Christmas movies, let's start there. Let's, let's start right there. You may recall Bruce Willis, being a Hollywood actor, said something stupid, as we know they do. He said in 2018 that it's not a Christmas movie. But this is what you always need to understand about the Hollywood actors. Yeah, well, right, first, they're stupid. But secondly, secondly, they, they don't do the writing. Other people write the words that they say in the movies. So, they, and they all think that they can write, by the way. That's one of the jokes in Hollywood is that all the actors think they could be the writers and such and, and directors, too. Uh, they, yeah, they all think they Anyway, because they're like, oh, I'm a great actor, so I can do all these other things. Some of them can. Some of them cannot. So just keep this in mind. Bruce Willis is not the authority on whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, because it is. Um, at the time, this came from Fox News. Bruce Willis' character, John McClane, visits his estranged wife and his two children during a Christmas Eve party at his wife's workplace, Nakatomi Plaza, right? And since then, a debate has centered on whether Die Hard is or is not a Christmas movie. In his final monologue at the Comedy Central roast of Bruce Willis, the actor officially ended the debate, according to The Hollywood Reporter, saying Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Not true. See... You guys miss you missed the joke. You missed the joke. He did it at the end of his roast. It was a joke, see? He didn't settle anything. Here's the other one. Catch me if you can. Christmas movie? Right? Huh? Eh? Huh? Eh? No. No. Why would it be a Christmas movie? Just because every single Christmas, the guy calls him, the be- uh, Leonardo DiCaprio calls Castaway every single Christmas? No. That's, it's not, see, that's the thing, is it's not central to the, the, the telling of the entire story. But in Die Hard, it absolutely is. The whole thing takes place at the Christmas party. So, of course, it's a Christmas movie. He would not have been there had it not been for Christmas. He had to go all the way out there for the Christmas party. It's a Christmas movie. He even says, ho, 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 now I have a gun, right? It's part of the dialogue. Okay. What are your favorite Christmas movies? We're making a list. We're not checking it, though. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Final reminder, well, at least from me, for 2022, the Light the Nights Festival. Now through January 6th, ice skating, snow tubing, Santa Clausing, Christmas trees, holiday treats, live entertainment, light shows. It's all brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. 
with the Charlotte Knights, the Light the Knights Festival at Truist Field in Uptown now through January 6th. All right, so first off, in order to determine whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, uh, movie, which I have, um, the first thing you need to do is determine what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie, right? What counts as a Christmas movie? Since the question hinges on some sort of a difference between a Christmas movie proper and a, a movie set around Christmas, right? You gotta you gotta figure out what's the criteria. It's gotta have some thematic element of Christmas as a central part of the story, but it also has to link into Christmas themes, right? The holiday itself, generosity, kindness, right? A film is not a Christmas movie just for being, you know, for featuring kindness and generosity. Otherwise, Mr. Deeds goes to town would be a Christmas movie, right? So a Christmas movie is a movie that's about Christmas and the related ideas of love, generosity, family, so on and so forth, okay? David Breitenbeck, writing at the Federalist back in 2018, when the the great debate was really raging because Bruce Willis had come out and said it's not a Christmas movie, and then, of course, that was followed up shortly after by the the movie production company put out a video. They 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 made an updated trailer. Have you ever seen this? They made an updated trailer in 2018, I guess for the 20th or... Would that be 30-year anniversary? Because the Die Hard came out in 1988, okay? Right? Yeah. Now, don't you feel old? So 2018, Bruce Willis says after the Comedy Central roast, he says, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Ha, ha, ha. I take that as a joke. Or part of a brilliant marketing scheme because, or scheme or strategy. And uh, they, because the, the movie production company put out a trailer, a new trailer, where it was more like office Christmas party. It was a 90-second trailer. It introduces Willis's character in a world, John McClane, you know, whatever, just wanting to spend Christmas with the family, but he gets stuck at the office party. It'll be a holiday he'll never forget. They did a whole trailer with this. Also, Stacy called in and pointed out there are six Christmas songs in the movie Die Hard. But here's the, here are the themes of Die Hard that make it the Christmas movie. Not only is it set at Christmas, right? Not only is Christmas a central theme, right? The day, the holiday, right? But also the themes of Christmas are central. You have the allure of greed, right? One of the perennial temptations we all kind of struggle with is buying too much, the materialistic desires and such, Black Friday, Right, so like the celebration of Christmas, even visits with family and friends turn into mechanical exchanges. I got you this. Oh, thank you very much, and all that. Right, this theme is established from the very start of the movie. Right, even the the two main characters, John and Holly McLean, their marriage is on the rocks because neither one of them is willing to compromise on their careers for the sake of their family. Right. So then that brings us to the other side of the equation. Against the forces of entrenched materialism are the more basic and meaningful factors of good and evil, family, love, and devotion. Over the course of the movie, this crisis unfolds. I don't want to give anything away in case you hadn't seen it. Um, no spoilers here. They, they, they realize, right, 
What is this all about? Where is the real value? What is the superficial? And when Hans Gruber essentially forces the question upon them by putting both of them in a situation where the questions of life and death and love and hate are unmistakably real and the fact of their marriage is inescapable, both express also disgust with Hans that he's nothing but a common thief. Oh, gosh, I gave something away. In summary, we have a story where one man is, after pure material gain, using one's sincere beliefs as a disguise to get what he wants, while another man opposes him, fighting for his family and his principles. The bad guy depends upon people following routines because they've lost sight of their actual principles, while the hero succeeds because he has not lost sight of them. And it all takes place on Christmas Eve. That, my friends, is a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Okay, now that I've made my case, I move on to the other movies. I have a ton of um, folks who have weighed in. I got a couple phone calls. Let's see, you got the. Uh, I've never seen these movies. I will tell you, like, uh, so I apologize if I got them wrong. I'm we're playing telephone with. So you call and you tell Bernie, and then Bernie tells me. And that's the way it's been going here. But we got the Three Godfathers. That's a John Wayne movie. Either that or it's the trilogy. That's what I thought. The Three Godfathers would be the trilogy, but. Have they made more than three now? I don't even remember. Donovan's Reef is another. Elf. Christmas Story. Spirited. Uh, let's see here. The Ref with Dennis Lee. Gosh, I haven't, I'm writing that down right now. I haven't seen that in so long. I got I to gotta watch it again. I totally forgot that's a Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, 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 oh, uh, Jay said it was John Lewis who was worth less than he went into Congress. Um, let's see here. The deep cuts. Okay, so this is Chris. Hey, Pete, for the deep cut, I always try to watch Riff Tracks's version of the 1978 Star Wars Christmas special. The special is famous for its overall horribleness, and the Riff Tracks guys, formed from the old Mystery Science Theater 3000 crew, make every minute hilarious. For the more traditional movie, George C. Scott's turn in A Christmas Carol is the best of them. I actually I do like that one the best, George C. Scott. But that was from my childhood. That's the one I remember. I just remember being terrified when the guy opened up his uh, his robe and the two chil- the two kids were in there. Remember Christmas present? Sorry, spoiler. Gosh, my bad. Okay, um, number one, The Family Stone. That's uh, from Jennifer. Her new Sort of new Christmas movie, The Family Stone. For old school Christmas movie, White Christmas. Honorable mention, Last Christmas. I've not heard of Last Christmas. 2019. Um, All right, so wait, hang on. Stan wants to know, is a Christmas movie based on its theme? or the? Okay, I went over that already, Stan. Make your choices accordingly. Um, Mary says... It's a Wonderful Life, The Original Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and A Charlie Brown Christmas. There you go. Uh, Elf is from John. Elf, A Christmas. Oh, he already said those. And Spirited. And, okay, those are the ones I've got on email so far. I have another email. And, okay, I got tweets. So this is from Rodney. Die Hard is a Christmas movie because it's about visiting family you don't want to be around, i.e. an ex-wife. Okay, that's it. They were still married. 
a Christmas story, says Ray. No question about it. Yes, that's, that is one of the best. What are the best? We'll go into the top 25 lists in a moment. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. Got a couple more submissions. We got Christmas Vacation and Die Hard 2. Yes, of course, because it takes place a year later at the airport. Um, But uh, somebody asked also, did it snow at the end of Die Hard? And it kind of did, yes, but not really. The money, remember? Or stock certificates or whatever they were that was falling down after they blew it up remember and everything was it represented the snow right thomas says okay pete i will bite our choices for best christmas movies number one a christmas carol the 1938 adaptation of charles dickens's story starring reginald owen as ebenezer scrooge number two terminator either one or two or both and three conan the barbarian that's a close third we have kind of an eclectic taste in seasonal movies and an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing going on there. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right. Thank you. I don't think those are Christmas movies. All right, but, like, really, I don't think those are Christmas All right. So what are the top 20 highest grossing Christmas movies of all time, according to Box Office Mojo? Now, by the way, this is something to keep in mind also that the box office take, the haul, the amount of money these things make. It's not really a good comparison year to year, particularly as you stretch over decades. Why? Because they just keep upping the number. They don't adjust for inflation. So, yes, you would expect all new releases to make more money than the older movies because inflation. So, keep that in mind as I run through these. This is a top 20. I'm going to start with the 20 and move to number one. All right, here we go. Coming in at number 20 with $97 million, Fred Claus, starring Vince Vaughn, Paul Giamatti. It's a hilarious movie where he's the brother of Santa. <laughs> and uh, we actually played this movie for my nephews who, and my uh, uh, sister-in-law and her husband. They had never seen it. And uh, then they wanted to turn it into a tradition. So, Because it's a really funny movie. Fred Claus. Next up, number 19. Making what, uh, from 2006, earning $110 million, we got The Santa Claus 3. Disney's Santa Claus trilogy starring Tim Allen is one of the most well-known and profitable Christmas movie franchises of all time. Uh, So that's 20, 19, 18. Office Christmas Party. $114 million. It is not family friendly. Just a heads up on that one. They didn't number these 18. So this is 17. 17. Jingle All the Way. 1996. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Um, 16. A Bad Mom's Christmas. <clears throat> $130 million. Eh, it was meh. Never see it. That's Mila Kunis, Catherine Hahn, Kristen Bell. It was like the part two is the sequel from their Bad Moms. They turned Bad Moms Christmas. Then they had Cheryl Hines, Christine Baranski, Susan Sarandon playing the moms of all of them coming into. Okay, whatever. Next up, number 15, Arthur Christmas. Never saw it. Isn't that the Wham song? No. Never mind. Um, That was 15. 14. I will tell you, this is a movie my wife and I watch every single year. It is number two on my list for Christmases. Have you ever seen this? Vince Vaughn, 
uh, Reese Witherspoon, Robert Duvall, Sissy Spacek, John Voight, Mary Steenburgen. Star-studded comedy. But, like, both of them have divorced parents, and every year they make up a lie that they fly overseas and and uh, and do charity work. And so they make up all these crazy excuses, but when in actuality they go on vacation for themselves just for themselves. And they were anti-marriage, anti-kid, all of this stuff. And... And then they have to go, they get, they get fogged in in San Francisco so they can't fly out. And spoiler alert, I will tell you this, there is a cameo, Peter Billingsley, in the movie, in the beginning of the movie at the airport. All right, next up, number, I guess this is 13, The Santa Claus 2. Why can't I keep, because I'm counting down, that's the problem. Um, number 12, The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. 2018. This is a Disney movie. I've never seen it. Number 11. Daddy's Home 2. This is a comedy. 2015. Uh, the original was Daddy's Home 2015. Daddy's Home 2 has Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg return with a Christmas setting, and they add stars Mel Gibson, John Lithgow, John Cena. $180 million it took in in 2017. Number 10. The Santa Claus, the original, 1994, um, at $190 million. Number nine, number nine, number nine. Number nine is The Holiday. You remember that one, The Holiday? It's a rom-com. Yeah. Jack Black was in it, I think. Yeah, and Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law. All right. Number eight at $223 million is Elf. Which is pretty funny. Not on my top three. Pretty funny. I don't watch it like regularly. If it's on, I'll watch it till the next commercial break. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, number seven, Love Actually. The thing I have found about this movie is that people either really hate it or they're like, eh, I like it. I'm like, eh, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it, but it's not my favorite. Number six. $314 million, The Polar Express. Never seen it. I think it's about a guy stranded on an island with a volleyball. I think that's what that one's about. At Christmas, I think. Uh, number five, A Christmas Carol. This is the 2009 version. $325 million. Yeah, see, here's the problem. All the old movies don't get thrown in here, right? Because they're so old. Uh, number six, or sorry, number six, number four, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This is the one with Jim Carrey. I refused to watch it because he looked creepy. Um, number three, Home Alone 2. Number two, Home Alone 1. And the number one, top grossing, at $512 million, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. I think that was the, the cartoon or animated one. All right, so here's the problem, though. Home Alone, the original Home Alone, came out in 1990, and that thing took in $476 million. In 1990, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch beat it by about, eh, $30 million. But they... but. It, it took almost 30 years to do that. $30 million over 30 years. 
I'm thinking Home Alone is still probably the number one box office. If you adjust for inflation, I'm thinking it still is. Home Alone 1, the original. All right, then we go to Jason Freely at WTOP, the founder of the Film Spectrum. He compiled the top 25 Christmas films of all time. These are not the box office smashes. They're just the top Christmas flicks. We'll get to those in a minute. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even Brightly All right, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Jason Fraley, WTOP, he is the founder of the film Spectrum. He recently ranked the top 25 films uh, Christmas films of all time. Here they are, number 25, Meet Me in St. Louis, that classic from 1944. Never saw it. Judy Garland. Anyway, number 24, Die Hard. There you go. Number 23, Christmas in Connecticut. Never seen it. Number 22, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, 1978. Never seen it. Number 21, Bad Santa. No. Nope. Not interested. Number 20, the Shop Around the Corner, that's from 1940. It was the original You've Got Mail. Uh, number 19, Mickey's Christmas Carol, a classic from 1983. Number 18, Twas the Night Before Christmas from 1974. Number 17, a Garfield Christmas special from 1987. Oh, yes, my childhood was filled with watching that. My sisters loved it and the Ziggy special. Uh, number 16, A Muppet Family Christmas, 1987 as well. Those were the glory days of Christmas shows and such. Number 15, Frosty the Snowman, 1969. Happy birthday. Number 14, The Santa Claus. Number 13, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't think that deserves that high of a placement, but that's just me. Number 12, Elf. Same for that. Number 11, Santa Claus is Coming to Town from 1970. Number 10, Home Alone. Number 9, Miracle on 34th Street. Number 8, the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Number 7, A Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965. Number 6, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from 1964. This was like all we watched every year, too. Those in the Garfield. and yeah. Um, number 5, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number four, White Christmas. Number three, Scrooge from 1951. Number two, A Christmas Story. And the number one movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a fable of mankind's interconnectedness where each of us is an irremovable cog in a wheel where you can only take that which you have given and where no man is a failure who has friends. Frank Capra, right, shows us that we need the darkness to see the light, the lows to feel the highs, the despair to feel the inspiration. Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart always considered It's a Wonderful Life to be the best film that they were ever involved in. Your life has purpose. These are the... These are... The things that this movie teaches, it is actually my favorite movie. Your life has purpose. Keeping up with the Joneses is for saps. 
The question is, how are you defining your worth? And It's a Wonderful Life leaves you with a clear message, right? No man is a failure who has friends, right? People think like his, George's ambition to go see the world and all that, right? It, that's his, it creates all his problems. It's the cause of the restlessness, his unhappiness. It's not to say you shouldn't strive to better yourself, but maturity requires finding a balance, learning to fully appreciate the blessings you have as a daily struggle. But most of our pop culture only reinforces that, right? Recognize your blessings. If you feel gratitude, you will be happier. Bad guys don't always get punished was another lesson. Matt Lewis, by the way, writing at uh, The Week, goes over some of these. He says, don't hire somebody just because they're family. Yeah, like uh, Uncle Billy. Appreciate how blessed you are and marry the right person. Merry Christmas. I'll see you next year. Don't break anything while I'm gone. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day. Save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, this blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal. Seed and guide us to that bird.
Gentleman, God rest in every gentleman. Gentleman, God rest in every gentleman. God bless you.